Well, this morning, if you'll recall, we've been looking at, I know we took a break last week, but we've been looking at the book of Haggai together. It's one of those books that, uh, it's about two chapters, so oftentimes we don't even find it or we read over it or whatever, but really looking at this book and seeing some, some truths that are applicable to us today, some truths that we can apply to our lives. Uh, just because it's been a little while, just a little bit of background on the book, Recall Haggai is kind of a continuation of the book of Ezra. And what has happened is the kingdom of Judah has been in exile, and then the, the Persians ha, ha, have delivered them basically from exile. Cyrus is the king of Persia, and he sends about 50,000 Jews back to Jerusalem for one purpose. And the purpose he's sending them back to Jerusalem for is that they could rebuild the temple. He says, go rebuild the temple. He gives them the supplies. He provides for them and he sends them back to do that. And so that's all happening in the book of, of Ezra. And we see they go back and when they get to town or when they get to Jerusalem, they build an altar and they perform sacrifices and they start on the foundation. But then life happens, right? And so then people decide they don't want them rebuilding the temple and enemies begin to distract them. They, they plot to attack them is, is what we see happening and so the book of Haggai is kind of a fast-forward 16 years. So they built the foundation, and 16 years later, God calls the prophet Haggai to, to speak to his people. And basically, we've looked at this. The very first thing we hear is, is kingdom priority. Like, where are your priorities at? If you remember, in Haggai chapter 1, we see that, that, that the prophet says, you're living in paneled houses while my house remains in ruin. He says, you eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You work, you sow seeds, but, but you don't have a harvest. We're not to that Haggai verse yet. Um, he said that, that you earn wages, but it's like your pockets have holes in them. You're not satisfied. Our lesson that we learned primarily was, was kingdom priority. I've got to recall, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then these things will be added to me. So we talked kingdom priority and then we looked at what happens when we have kingdom priority. I promise when you're living with kingdom priority, you will experience kingdom promise in your life. You look at the people of God in the book of Haggai and, and the prophet kind of stirs them up and they get busy. They listen. Hey, that's a novel thing. God talks and we do it. You know, I mean, that's good practice. What do we see? We see the promises of God begin to be revealed to the people. God, God sees them engaging in rebuilding the temple and he promises them, I will be with you. He promises them, I will bless you. He promises them some things that we're going to look at this morning. The glory of, of this current temple that you're building will exceed the glory of the previous. Uh, he, he makes kingdom promise. When we practice kingdom priority, we can expect to live with kingdom promise in our life. The book of Haggai, I want to look at one of those promises and just kind of unpack it a little bit more today because there's something for us in this word. 
Yeah, this was written to the king, to, 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 to Judah, uh, when they're rebuilding the temple. But there's something in this world, in this word, that is being redeemed even today in our lives, if we can hear the words. It's a promise that, that yes, he's communicating it to the, to the 50,000 who've come to rebuild, but this is a promise that is still being redeemed in our lives today, but I don't know that we're living in it. We're going to be in Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to pray before we read his word, but I'm just going to pray that God's Spirit illuminates his truth to us this day. Father, I thank you for the Word of God, for the complete Word of God. Now thank you for, for the opportunity this morning to, to look at your Word and be transformed. God, I pray for the words that will be shared. I ask they would be yours. I pray for the words that would be heard. God, I, I pray your Holy Spirit illuminates the words that we have need of this morning. God, clear our hearts and minds. Let us yield ourselves to you. Help us to not be distracted, but to press into your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Haggai chapter 2. He starts off in verse 3. He says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the Lord Almighty, and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I want to talk this morning about the promise of greater glory. I'm going to say the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. In this place I will grant peace. What's going on? Haggai's talking to some people, right? And, and as he's looking at these people that have come back to rebuild the temple, what is he addressing in verse 3? You know, some of you guys, I realize you saw the house we're rebuilding the way it was. Like some of you witnessed Solomon's, we're going to look at Solomon's temple in just a little bit. In all of its glory, you witnessed what was. And so now we're rebuilding the temple and, and in your heart you're saying, man, this isn't what was. 
Like you knew what it looked like. You knew the materials. You knew what had happened in the old temple. And as we're rebuilding this, I just have to guess in my mind, God has been hearing the the murmuring. He's been hearing the, the rumbling of people saying, man, this doesn't look like what was. And this is a mess. It's absolutely nothing compared to what God had built through Solomon. It's absolutely nothing compared to to what we've seen and known. I mean, it just doesn't look the same. It doesn't smell the same. It doesn't feel the same. This just doesn't measure up. There's no way will ever have what we had. There's no way we'll ever get back to where we were. Where were they? I mean, I'm telling you, it's pretty incredible when you start reading in, in 1 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read these pretty quick, but 1 Kings chapter 6, I'm going to describe what was. This is what was stuck in their minds. In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used. No hammer, chisel, or any iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. He lined the interior walls with cedar boards, paneling them from the floor to the temple ceiling, covered the floor of the temple with planks of juniper. Inside the temple was cedar, carved with gourds and flowers. Everything was cedar, no stone was to be seen. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 wide, and 20 high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He also overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold. He extended gold chains uh, across the, the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. There was a lot of gold in the temple. Are you getting this? It was a pretty remarkable place. He overlaid with gold the altar that belonged in the inner sanctuary. He placed cherubim inside of the innermost room of the temple. With their wings spread out, the wing of one cherub touched the wall while the wing of the other touched the other wall. And their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. He overlaid the cherubim with gold on the walls around the temple in both the inner and outer rooms. He carved the cherubim, palm trees, open flowers, He covered the floor of both the inner and outer rooms of the temple with gold. And on the olive wood doors, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, overlaid the cherubim and palm trees with hammered gold. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, and overlaid them with gold, hammered evenly over the carpets. I mean, can you get a picture of what this building was? There were... Cedar wood and, and, and the floors and the rooms and the altars, they were, they, were, they were covered with gold. There were intricate carvings throughout the, the, the temple. I mean, what they were doing, they looked at each other and they said, Dude, this doesn't match up. Like, where are we going to get the gold? Who can carve a palm tree? How about a cherubim that's going to go across the entirety of the inner sanctuary? Who's got that covered? And I got to imagine that that in their hearts they became discouraged 
about what they were doing because they were convinced it would never measure up to what was. And what was the response of God? The glory of what you're doing now. The glory of what you're saying will never measure up. Oh wait, because because I talked about glory. Well, let's talk about what glory Solomon experienced in that temple. We see Solomon even uses the word glory in 1 Kings chapter 8. King Solomon, the entirety assemble of the entire assembly of Israel gathered and about him were before the ark sacrificing so many sheep, cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary. This is after all that gold was laid and all those carvings were done and the temple was completed. They went ahead and brought the ark of the covenant which was what was representative of the presence of God into the sanctuary, into the Holy of Holies. So what did they do? They sacrificed more animals than we can count. Now, if you read the Old Testament, they count a lot of animals at times. So this is a lot of animals that they're sacrificing. The priests brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the Ark and overshadowed the Ark and its carrying poles. Then the priest, when the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I mean, talk about the, the measure at which they're looking at the temple. We can talk about strictly the property in what was. I mean, the gold and the carvings and everything else, but they've also got the repu- repu- uh, reputation of what happened. Like the glory of God, it was... I'm sure that they talked about that for a while. Like when they sacrificed so many animals that the glory fell so great, it was so tangible that the priests couldn't even do what they were supposed to do. Oh, if we could just experience that, right? We're never going to have that again in this new place. There's not enough gold. We, we can count our animals. We can't sacrifice enough animals to duplicate the, the, the sacrifice that Solomon made so we can experience the same amount of glory that was. And they became disheartened and discouraged because of what they were doing and being convinced it could never measure up to what was. And God says, the glory. Greater glory. Greater than the, the building. Greater than the, the accomplishment of the temple. Greater than the demonstration when the ark was placed in the Holy of Holy. Greater glory can you expect for this present house. Than has ever been. And I got to imagine if they're like me, they're looking at each other and they're saying, there is no way this is possible. The message I have for us this morning is there is greater glory 
in this present temple. I want to tell you there's greater glory in your life. I want to tell you that there's greater glory in in your life. But so many times, much like the people who had experienced the previous, we've convinced ourselves that there's never going to be anything better than that. Let me tell you there is greater glory in the temple. Let me tell you there was greater glory revealed through that temple. Let me tell you there was, there was glory that was so great it shook the nations just like Haggai said would happen. And that glory is still being revealed in us. That glory is still being redeemed in the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is what we are. Yet we're living satisfied with what was. We're convinced it's never going to be better than that. We're looking at our limitations. We're looking at our rubble. We're looking at our hurts, our wounds. Remember, they had seen the temple get destroyed. We're looking at all that happened and we're convinced it's never going to match up. That's not the truth. The promise of God was the glory of this house. The glory of this temple will be greater than what was. Well, what is glory? Like if I ask you that question, what is glory? What is the glory of God? And at times, I'm just too simple. So I just picture like a bright light. Like that's the glory of God. Like some bright light, some radiant presence. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm convinced. And we, we don't even fully comprehend what the glory of God is. What is He promising is going to be greater? Is He promising more gold? Is He promising more of this overwhelming presence? What, what is this, this greater glory that He's promising? Well, as I look at the glory of God, What is the promise of greater glory in our lives? If you recall, we're going to go backwards before we go forwards today, okay? Moses, he went up on a mountain, he's with God, and and he's he's got the attention of God, right? And they're having this conversation with, with, with him and God that we're getting to see this picture of. And Moses says to him in Exodus 33, show me your glory. Now, the word there is a word kabod, which means abundance, riches, splendor, honor, dignity, reputation, reverence, and glory. Show me your glory, Moses is saying. How does God respond? Because I think his response gives us a good picture of what the glory of God truly is. So often it's this this force or something that we think makes people fall down or do different things. That's not the glory of God. Moses asked, show me your glory, and God's response is what? I will show, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, if Moses is asking God to show, show him his glory, and God's responding not with, okay, I'll let my, the, the hem of my garment, which is what we get to, pass before you, but what does he says is being revealed? 
All His goodness is the glory of God. All that is good about Him is His glory. Man, I want that glory revealed in my life. I want that glory redeemed in my life. I want to be experiencing that glory in my every day. Right? He says, my name will be pronounced. My name will be proclaimed. There's something about His name. His name is I Am. That's Yahweh. That means He is, He was, and always will be. That's the name that caused people to fall down at just the utterance of it. There's something profound in God's glory being represented by His name. You want to limit His glory to the building. You can't because He is. You can't because He is. He's the one who spoke it all into existence. I am. And I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on you. The mercy of God, the compassion of God revealed in my life is a demonstration of His glory. Man, I tell you what, in the Old Testament, we're going back to to Solomon and the sacrifices, they didn't get to experience a lot of the mercy and compassion, right? Because they were so bound by the law. I'm living in a place today where I can experience the fullness of His glory. And the glory that I can experience, the glory that you can experience, the glory that that can be in your life, that can be manifested, that can be so real in your life, is greater than any glory that Solomon's temple could have ever attained. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, I can experience the fullness of, of His glory. What do you mean, Pastor? He says, in, in, well, I'm going to skip that Isaiah verse. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The Word became flesh. This is First John, or John chapter 1. The Word became flesh. He made His dwelling among us. The Word meaning Jesus Christ. He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple. This is in John chapter 2. He's standing in the temple that was rebuilt. He says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. They thought he was talking about the temple, but there was something greater. There was a greater glory coming from that temple. That greater glory was Jesus Christ. It wasn't defined by a building. It wasn't defined by man's work. It was defined by God's glory being revealed through his word, which was made flesh in Jesus Christ. All His goodness. 
all His goodness. His name, mercy, and compassion. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, the glory. He gave His glory so that we could live, right? Yet, we limit His glory. There's greater glory in this present temple. There's greater glory in this house. There's greater glory in your house. Jesus Christ himself said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do greater works than I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I'm telling you, there's a promise for greater glory for you this day. There's a promise for something greater for you this day. You have to realign your mind with what God is doing. You have to stop looking at the rubble. Stop focusing on the destruction. Stop thinking about what you've lost and start looking at what God is promising. Isaiah chapter 43. I've I've read this several times. I love this verse See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Or do you perceive it? Do you not? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let me tell you, there's greater glory. Do you not perceive it? There's something greater that's going to be revealed in your life. Do you not perceive it? Can you not sense it? We read in in Sunday school this morning, He's placed His Spirit inside of us as a deposit, as 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 a deposit on what's to come. Can you not perceive the glory, the greater that God wants for your life? You can come forward. I think I'm going to have you just play whatever. I don't care. You can come up here too. When we live with kingdom priority, let's put in God first. Let's acknowledging that He's the one who satisfies. There is absolutely kingdom promise. There is absolutely kingdom promise. They sang, you're a good, good father. What does He say in, in, in Matthew? He says, if you who are who aren't, we don't measure up, if you can give your sons good gifts, how much greater will your Father in heaven give to you? What reference, 1 John chapter 3, I talked about in Sunday school this morning, for God, or, or how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us? 
How great is it that the, that, that the one who is, the one whose name is I am, has lavished love upon you. That you would be called a child of God. And that's who you are. That He would reveal the fullness of His goodness in your life. Think about that. In your temple, He's told us we are now the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit of God. We are the, the representation of that temple. And the fullness of His goodness, He desires to reveal in you. He desires to reveal I am in your life. He desires to proclaim the name of God in your life. That He is able, that He is willing, that He can. He desires to show you mercy and compassion that you cannot even comprehend. Yet we're living, looking at our ruins, not experiencing the greater. There's kingdom promise. It's being revealed by kingdom priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. All this stuff. It'll be revealed. It'll be given. Are you ready for greater glory? Do you want what He's promised? Do you believe that, hey, I don't know the mess your life is in. I don't know why, 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 why the enemy came in and he destroyed and, and knocked things down. I don't know why, 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 why they came in and they attacked and, and sent you to exile for 70 years. I don't know why you've been through what you've been through or why you're going through what you're going through. But do you believe in the promise of greater glory? You might have to tell yourself, yeah, I've experienced what was, man. There was a time I was walking in all His goodness. There was a time I was experiencing all of His promise. There was a time I was experiencing everything that He had for me, but I'm never getting back there. There's not enough gold in this world to coat all the carvings in my life. Let me tell you, there's greater glory. And it comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through the Word being made flesh in your life. It comes through the promises of God being redeemed because of what Jesus Christ has done. There is greater glory. This morning, as Walt leads us in a chorus in just a second, I want us to respond to the Word of God. And I know sometimes this can feel like pressure, and it's not meant to be pressure at all. But it's a question. It's a simple question. Can you relate to those who weren't experiencing or didn't see a way for the fullness of God's glory? Have you limited? Have you, have you decided that what was is going to be the best it will ever be and we'll just go ahead and move forward from this? 
Have you allowed yourself to be defined or have you allowed God's glory to be limited in your life by what the enemy has done? Have you said there's no way I can ever rebuild this the way it was done the first time? Jesus Christ is saying to you this morning, the glory in this present temple. Jesus Christ is saying to you this day, the glory in this present temple will be greater. God, I come to you this morning and all across this room, God, I pray for us all. God, whatever's limited your glory, your goodness, your name, your mercy and compassion, all that you are in our lives. God, I pray that this day the promise of greater glory is revealed. God, I pray that as we rebuild, as maybe some, we're we're putting pieces back together, God, I pray that as, as we're building the temple the way that you've instructed, that we experience the promise that comes through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show us those areas, those, those grumblings, those mumblings in our life of, uh, of where we've been limiting what you desire to accomplish. Those moments where we've been saying, God, there is no way this will be as good as what was. And you say, behold, I'm doing a new thing. You say to our church, behold, I'm doing a new thing. You say to my home, behold, I'm doing a new thing. You say to my temple, that's me, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I pray for the greater thing. God, I pray for the greater thing. I pray for greater glory in our lives. I pray for the redemption of Jesus Christ's word when he says even greater things than these will be done in my name. You will do in my name. This morning is Walt leads us. I would encourage you, if you want the greater glory... Just stand where you're at. If you want the greater glory, and maybe you say, Pastor, I need to pray about this because I realize that I'm still back on kingdom priority and I'm working through that. I'll be here to pray with you. But, but ultimately, I want our lives, our, our words, our hearts to be a reflection of, of our desire to experience the greater glory. You know those people who, who Haggai talked to, they had a choice. They could continue building or they could go on. 
And they kept building because of the promise of God. This morning, I I hope that your life can be a, a demonstration of obedience to what God is speaking. Greater glory, amen? Greater glory, amen? Amen. There's greater glory, amen? Amen. And it's not defined by what was. And it's not defined by the limitations, but it's defined by what God desires. It's not about the gold in the room or the angels over the ark. It's about what Jesus Christ did for you, the promises that he desires you to live in. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may you live in the greater glory this week. May you experience the greater glory this week. May you see the greater glory this week. Amen? Be blessed.